This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Carl Broderick, Senior Vice President of Managed Care Contracting and Value-Based Purchasing at Accent Care. Carl, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Laura, I appreciate the invitation. Look forward to it. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's a ton happening in healthcare and really the economics of healthcare, looking at payers and the provider space. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, sure. It's been a it's been a long uh, it's been a long career, and just means I'm a little bit older, right? So, um, I was uh, I'm the in charge of contracting and value based purchasing, as you said, with Accent Care. Accent Care actually purchased uh, our former company or my former company, Seasons Hospice and Palliative Care, about 20 months ago. And as in that role, I was the chief marketing officer, but I had managed care contracting underneath me there, which is a significant uh, um, area for healthcare now, and it's even more significant uh, being rolled up into the Care family of services because Care has a very strong home health care division, also a very large personal care division, personal care services division as well, too. So contracting takes on even added importance as you roll those two important services. With Seasons, we did contracting, obviously, for hospice services, but we also have a very large and still do and growing palliative care service. And palliative care is a the best way to describe it is a Part B service. So we are we have our own uh, what's called Seasons Medical Group, and that we contract with that group to insurance companies, um, whether it's through actual insurance companies or delegated risk providers, people who hold risk, who want us to do the palliative care. And with Accent Care and Seasons combined, which I like, I believe we're we're you know one organization. I've been here. 16 uh, plus years. So it's it's been a very good uh, um, career for me. And I just enjoy being in this sector of post-acute care because I think there's so much we can do. And if we, when we do it right, it's, it's best for the patient, the family, which are most important, but it's also uses the, the least amount of resources efficiently, which is good for everybody in this country as it relates to Medicare solvency. Absolutely. That's a really important point and definitely something that I know so many different organizations are working toward and really have top of mind today. So uh, considering everything you just mentioned in terms of things that are in front of you, what are some of your key focus areas for the second half of 2022? Well, one of them is, you know, is my title, which is very long, is value-based purchasing. And in our sphere of ancillary care uh, contracting, we're finding that most of the insurance plans are focused on hospitals and physicians for value-based purchasing. So our thrust for the rest of the year, and obviously for 23, is to engage the payers around elements of what we do, because we have specific programs that can reduce hospitalizations, reduce ER visits, along with high quality scores. So our goal is to and we're working with several payers right now where we're actually changing with how the contracts are structured. So there are quality bonuses, for lack of a better term. So when we achieve these metrics, then we will um, get an added payment, which we're very excited about versus the, the payment structure before, which it could be just, if you will, just a case rate. And the opportunities we have as well, too, is that we have home care, and if a patient needs us, they might transition to hospice, or they might transition to our personal care services or to palliative care services. 
for ensuring to get that message across to the plans, delegated risk providers, that we can be those, I'll use the term, extra hands, eyes out there with patients. Because, you know, Laura, I think as we all went through the pandemic, what were the, the points? What, would, what did we learn about? There was a lot of things to learn, I should say. But what we heard is we want to be treated in our home, if at all possible. We don't want to be in a hospital. And that's not critical of hospitals because those are tremendous. You know, we have to have them. I don't want to be in a facility if I don't have to be. So our, our whole mindset, obviously, our whole service line is geared to keep the patient at home as long as it meets their needs and is obviously safe for that individual. So we're focused on, on that uh, for, I would say, the next 18 months. And also, we just, uh, as you're aware, that the accountable care organizations have moved from uh, the name ACOs. They were parts of ACOs were called direct contracting entities, DCEs. And uh, the new name, as of January 1st, is REACH ACO, right? Realizing Equity um, in Community Access. Um, so what we're doing is recontracting with all these ACOs, um, and we've not only recontracted, but we've added more to their, to our um, list of contracts. So working with the specific ACOs around that and direct contracting entities. The other focus of us focus is also expanding our palliative care networks. So our medical group is that we're actually expanding our outreach with insurance companies in specific markets. And then we're talking to several um, delegated risk providers about providing palliative care for them as well. So I might have rambled on there, but it's very busy, as you can hear. Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot to, to focus on to really be juggling at the same time. And, you know, I am curious in thinking about your focus and lean on the value-based care side of value-based purchasing. I know that that's something that has been top of mind uh, for years now. And, you know, really, are you seeing movement in that direction? Are payers uh, more eager now than they were before to really engage in how the home-based care setting and model can fit into value-based uh, care overall in, in their strategies? Or what are some of the trends you're seeing there? And also, too, thinking about the um, palliative care element. I know it can be a little bit uh, unnerving to talk do dollars and cents into some of those discussions, but obviously definitely an important aspect of, uh, you know, what makes the health system work both financially as well as on the patient side. I think that the ACO um, conversation, the direct contracting entity in uh, REACH ACOs is helped insurance companies say, let's dialogue with post-acute providers on what they can do versus let's just say you get paid for this and get paid for this. We have to get out of that uh, cycle of, okay, you'll pay us for a nursing visit, then you'll pay us for a physical therapy visit. We want to engage in what we're trying to do, and we're making some progress, but it's a, more of a dialogue, is to say how can we be a clinical partner to you and so with that, we can reduce these cost metrics, but provide better patient satisfaction and good outcome measures. Excellent Care over the years has done a really good job of developing joint ventures with large um, um, healthcare systems. And so we partner with them and we really work with them on pushing our resources to work with them on their discharge patients. But part of it as well too, 
is you have to have the relationship with the payers. So we're trying to complete, if you will, call it a triangle with our health system that we're partnered with and then the payer and then ourselves, how we work together. That's the critical element to success. And when you ask where are we at with that, it is slower moving, but I do think with Medicare starting off with, I shouldn't say starting, introducing value-based care with home health in January, that's getting the payers to think along those lines. lines. And we're very excited about engaging payers because we know our clinical programs are out there to provide, as I've said, the least, uh, uh, the most efficient cost of care with the highest quality measures. So we're excited about that, and that's why we continue to engage um, payers along those lines. Palliative care, and palliative care is a very interesting term because if you talk to probably 10 clinicians, you're going to get 10 different answers. But we engage the payers um, from the medical group as we're a consult uh, basis. And those discussions are pretty easy to have with payers. Um, They understand the need for it. But it's really, we're trying to go to another level. We want to incorporate ourselves with a managed care organization or a delegated risk provider. So we're working with them on their high-risk patients who might not be ready for hospice, who might be in underserved areas with limited um, healthcare resources to will go to their homes. We'll provide, whether it's a physician or an NP visit, it could be a RN visit or it could be a MSW, Masters of Social Work, to work with that particular payer on their patients. And those are traditionally high needs patients. Those patients who are COPD, CHF, living alone, which you know can exasperate the situation and trying to meet that patient where they're at and trying not to have them utilize, if you will, hospital emergency rooms or acute settings if they don't need to. If they need access to that, then they need access to that. So. It's a challenge. It's incredibly exciting to be able to intercede with the, the patient and, and do good work in their home. Because, again, what, what I feel is uh, that from the, the pandemic, we, pandemic is that really treat me in my home if possible, if it's safe. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's just really interesting to hear about. So I appreciate you sharing some of that information with us. Now, We've talked a lot about some of the things that you're working on, top priorities and exciting areas of growth and development. What are some of the roadblocks that you anticipate as well over the next two to three years, and how are you preparing for them? Well, one of the roadblocks is just our conversations with the payers. We still have some payers that are very mindset on just lowest contractual rate. And we're, we have to make decisions whether or not we want to engage with that because that's not the way we want to operate. We want to be seen as part of the clinical process and just uh, just having that discussion on this is what you get paid when, in fact, we see Medicare wants us to pay us on our quality. That's how we want to operate. That's really one of the, 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 the biggest challenges. It's exciting, but it's a challenge. And then one of our, you know, one of the issues, you know, one of our goals is obviously to become a, an employer of choice, and we've done a tremendous job of of recruitment and uh, keeping our um, staff in place. But it's just the labor market. We see that, you know, the the trends out there with nurses wanting to leave the field and not enough replacements coming in. 
which nurses are the key to our, our, our organization, and, and we need to move forward with, obviously, full clinical staffs in order to do the good work we want to do. Those are the two biggest obstacles. The creativity that we have around some of our programs, medical homes, if you will, where we can treat a patient with physicians at home, sniff skilled nursing replacement programs where we bring those high-acuity services in the home are all out there. And those are the fun things that we get to talk to payers or work with, if you will, Medicare on trying to really assist that patient at home. But the flip side is the exact opposite, ensuring that we have the staff available to that and ensuring that the payer themselves understands what we're trying to do. And in the, the marketplace that we're in today, which is a very difficult labor, mar- labor market, and uh, just trying to marry those two together so we can give the best outcomes to our patients and their families. You made an excellent point, and I, I think definitely when you're looking at where the outcomes are and, and where the focus lies with the patients, um, that's so, so helpful. So you mentioned one of the challenges, again, being, you know, wanting to become an employer of choice, as you mentioned, the labor market being a challenge, um, and especially when you're thinking about nursing. Is there anything that um, you have on the horizon or have done already to really uh, – put yourself in that position so that you are the place that nurses and, and other staff members want to be? Well, I, one of, there's several. One is obviously being extremely flexible with what nurses want. It could be around their hours. It could be around days a week. So we're incredibly flexible with that. Um, some really interesting things, too, is we built leadership programs into our core structures. So let's talk with and it's just not the nurse, so we need to we talk about with all our employees that are t- interacting with the patients, but what's your next step in your career, and how do we get you there? We want you to grow within the organization, and it, the best thing we can do is if you want to, do you want to be a manager? Do you want to run this particular element? Do you want to get into another department training, uh, uh, other aspects? We want our employees to continually evolve to the point to where they want to be. So we've, we've got an incredible uh, leadership challenge uh, division of our organization where we're putting people through leadership uh, training and uh, trying to get them in their careers where they want to be. That's very exciting. I've been part of uh, um, uh, uh, two cycles of mentorship uh, training and just really working with folks on if this is what you want to do, this is the suggestion road based road you go down whether it's through more education or whether it's through, through, you know, understanding the aspects of management, if you want to get in there and the certain elements that you want to have, if you want to proceed down that role. So, yes, we have some really exciting things going on with Accent Care to, to, to make it an employer of choice. And uh, I've seen these really populate out there in the last uh, nine months. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing those with us. Now, before we wrap up our discussion, I just have one more question for you. What are you most excited about right now? I'm really excited about the opportunity to showcase, and maybe that's the wrong word, but to to present our continuum of care services to, I will say, the external community. I've had my mother on our hospice program, but we didn't have personal care services or home health services. And I talked to family and friends about if they have specific needs, just come to me and I can suggest what would be the most appropriate 
uh, a service for them and to be able to share that with them and knowing that you can come in if you need home health services or personal care services, you can use us for this. And so to have this entire range of services outside of the hospital, I think is incredibly unique. And one of the things that, that, that Accent Care has, almost all of our service lines, it's equally split in terms of the volume of services. It's not like we, don't, we have 95% of hospice or home care. And so having that full continuum and then being able to present it to the community, but also to healthcare systems if they want to partner with us. As I said, we have many joint ventures with academic institutions, hospital systems. That's very exciting as well, too, because this is obviously our expertise. Hospitals have a tremendous expertise, and it doesn't mean that their post-acute department, home health, or hospice is going to be at the same level as their hospital. So working with those institutions um, on um, potential uh, award, uh, partnerships, joint ventures is very exciting. And then including the payer, because when we have a payer interaction, and I apologize for bouncing around, but getting the payer to understand our value and then how we can work with you and work with our metrics to decrease cost but increase quality, that's what I'm incredibly excited about. And I know we have the tools within our belt, so to speak, at Action Care to achieve that. That's amazing. Carl, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Well, thanks so much. It was a joy talking to you. Appreciate it.